0: Hey, we're uh, officially into the Christmas season and uh, would like to wish you and your family the best Christmas wishes for 218. Um, We will be in the second message this morning on the Christmas series called Unexpected Grace. Uh, Last week we looked at the message that God came, and uh, I want to just thank Rob. He did a great job and filled in really well, and I was really grateful for him doing that. Uh, But. Uh, and this year, we're going to talk. Uh, this morning, we're going to talk about God cares. Christmas and Easter are, are two times a year that we we kind of slow down, and we step into the story of God's redemptive plan. It, it's we've rehearsed it. If you've been in church, you, these seasons roll and you come through, and and you the whole attitude is just to slow and try and catch it, right? And um, it's easy to rush through it. Not just in an intellectual way, not just in our head, but also in a emotional way, with with our heart, in a felt way. And um, the idea that God would come on our turf, that's what I call planet Earth, our turf, right? To our world as a baby is absolutely astonishing. That is not how I would have planned it, right? I would have more like Star Wars or Galactic Enterprise or something like that. Right? Just this big invasion thing. <coughs> and... Um, it's really quite astonishing. Quite literally, it's the most vulnerable invasion in the history of the world. If you think about it, it's, it's just something we hadn't anticipated. But it's an appeal to our heart. You know, babies win our hearts over, don't they? Um, you go anywhere, and somebody brings a baby into the group, and we go, oh, right, and these people start making faces. Uh, and, right? and you see, especially older people light up when a baby comes in the room because it says something to them. It reminds them and, and they look at little children and they go, oh, and they remember what it was like to be innocent, what it's like to laugh and to smile and, and do that kind of stuff. And, and so babies win our hearts over. But even more than that, the idea that God would enter into and step into our mess is almost beyond imagination. Um, it doesn't take too long you don't have to get too much old uh, to figure out that stuff is broken down here and doesn't work exactly the way it's supposed to and when it happens specifically to you, you start going man this hurts i don't i don't really like this and the idea that Jesus would step into that muck would step into the mess is is amazing and the question on the table is why 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 would he do that why What was behind God's heart, his motive for that? What could be possibly compelling enough for him to take such a risk? Right? And the biblical answer behind the question is really quite amazing. It says the Bible tells us that he came because he cares. And we're going to look into that this morning. I want to hope. Take that and turn that Then more than just a phrase for us this morning. So would you join me in prayer? Let's pray and ask for God's presence and His blessing. Father, when we talk about uh, Christmas, that's that's you entering the room. Lord, often in in the sports world, uh, people talk about great athletes and they walk into the room and you can feel their presence. They bring something to it. And that's also true when you come into a room. And it's also true, Lord, when you come to a planet. There's something to it. There's a presence to it that uh, catches our attention. And this morning, Lord, I want to try and capture um, your heart that you care. And and, uh, Lord, it's something we know in our heads. We go, yeah, okay, how interesting is this going to be? But the fact that you actually really care, that you know us, you care about us, you care about this planet, you care about its people you care about what's going on, that you are not detached, you are an engaged observer, that you are here by your Spirit is something that uh, can easily be lost in the hectic hectic and frantic pace of our world. Lord, I've been thinking about this all week. And I, I ask that you would add the grace to it. We're calling this message Unexpected Grace. Lord, it's unexpected that you'd care. And we pray that would ring through this morning. We ask for that in your name. Amen. So if you haven't gotten the point yet, one of the things I'm hoping you walk away with this Christmas is that God cares for you. That you're not just going through the rigmarole. It's not just, uh, you know, you're left to yourself. God cares for you. And I'm hoping that will be an anchor for your Christmas. So let's, let's walk through this together and see if um, we can uh, make this connect. Okay, so just doing any kind of rough survey of the Bible, I mean, even if you're just kind of flipping through it, right? Put your finger on something real. It doesn't take much to realize that the Bible tells us that God cares about a lot of things. Uh, There's four that I'd like to just highlight this morning that, that we can look at, all right? So here's some four things that God cares about. First of all, God cares about the creation. You you get this reading through the Psalms, you get this reading through uh, the picture. Uh, I'd like to recommend a, a book for those of you who are, enjoy tracking these kind of things. I didn't get it up on the screen, but it's called God's Undertaker, and it's written by John Lennox. And if you have no idea who John Lennox is, uh, John Lennox is a Christian who's debated Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens. Uh, those guys are leaders in a movement of what's called the New Atheists. And basically... Uh, Dawkins has written a book called The God Delusion and said that religion needs to be expunged from our society, our world, really, uh, because it's toxic and evil and bad. That's the kind of the spirit you're dealing with. And John Lennox has actually debated him. You can go on YouTube, download the debate and watch it. It's fascinating. Um, But in in this particular book, uh, that stuff's all way beyond our purpose this morning, but in this particular book, what Lennox does is brilliantly lay, out, brilliantly lay out and consolidate the new science that's been coming out in the last 20 years or so. And the new science that's been coming out is on a couple different levels, but if you take it in the big picture kind of thing, it's the macro, the big picture, the picture of the universe and how it's wired, and then the micro or the mini universe, uh, the biology of the cell and, and what they've discovered about the cell In the last 20 years, and um, the evidence is astounding for the incredible care that God has put into this system that we call the universe and what we know as life. The fine tuning shows mind bending meticulous care to levels that are almost impossible to grasp. They have now just just some things to throw. They've now discovered 23 constants that speed them up just a little bit, slow them down just a little bit, and the universe, as we know, wouldn't exist. Uh, the, the stuff coming out now is amazing. Again, if you're interested, it's uh, God's Undertaker, John Lennox, but you can get more of that there. And on the the mini level, the level of the cells and, and that kind of stuff, they're finding out things that are as startling in terms of the intricacy of how things are built and measured together uh, that rival the macro picture. So the universe is astounding, but the way cells are put together and what goes on in the engines that are in them and that kind of stuff is as mind-bending in a little way as the universe is in a big way. But it just shows this incredible mind, this incredible care that's been put into what we call the reality we live in. So God cares about the creation. He cares about the world He's put together. He's cared about. Uh, he cares about how He created it. Second thing that uh, God cares about, uh, you don't have to read very far in the Bible, is the land, right? God cares about the earth. He cares about how it was put together, but particularly He cares about Israel. Particularly, if you read through, you don't have to go very far to find out that God has a heart and passion for Israel. He calls it the apple of his eye. And it's a special land. It's a beautiful land. It's a land the Bible says that the Lord loves. And it's a land that he continues to love and is going to continue to love all the way to his second coming. Uh, It's going to factor in largely as how the history rolls out. But God cares about the earth. He cares about uh, how he created it and he cares about how it works and that kind of stuff. And you pick that up third thing that God cares about, animals. There are many, many passages where God talks about the animals and the animals he's created and and what they're good for. And he talks about how uh, we should shepherd them and how we should steward them and how we should be caretakers of them. And uh, if you've got a pet, you can relate to that instantly, right? And, uh, and that same affection, uh, it's devastating if you've had, for example, a family dog for a lot of years and that dog grew up all those years with your kids and, you know, and then that dog dies. Uh, you don't know life without that dog, right? Well, God created animals like that. He created them to be part of the fabric. They do something for us. They do something for us sometimes that even humans can't do, right? And and so... Uh, it's not just dogs, but cats and other pets. animals. Rich enrich in our lives. But the other thing that God cares about—these three are all important. But the thing He really cares about: people. People. He loves people. He cares about people. He, people are not just a bunch of little ants on a planet scurrying about, and He's up there with a big hammer, hoping He can, you know, and and take them out. He He cares about people. He cares about. What we go through, He cares about how we see Him. He cares about our lives. He cares about our futures. God cares about people. King David, probably our our greatest poet laureate in the Bible, uh, says this when he's considering this that we just walked through. He says this, When I look at your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? King David in the Psalms is, is pondering the unfathomable reality that God cares for people, in particular him. Right? Imagine, just take your mind back to Jerusalem and the castle and the palace and imagine a dark starry night in ancient Jerusalem. They didn't have the problem of light pollution that we've got. Right? You could actually see the stars. And uh, David's on the roof of his palace surveying the vastness of the starlit night. Probably can see the Milky Way and and that whole thing. And and in, in comparison to that, he's just looking at that, knowing there's something absolutely spectacular behind that, knowing the promises that God has made to him. And he's thinking about that in comparison to the smallness of himself. And he ponders the question... What is man that you're mindful of him? Why do you, why do you even pay attention? It's, this is incredible. The son of man that you care for him. No doubt he's probably contemplating the promises that God had made to him personally, right? And about his throne and having a man on the throne for all generations and he's thinking, wow, who am I that you've made those kind of promises to me in comparison to you? Wow. Wow wow, he's just caught up. And these aren't just you know, words he wrote so he could say, hey, I hope uh, 4,000 years later people think I'm creative and kind of like my poems. That, that's not what he was doing. He was throwing this out there like, my gosh, I can't get a handle on this. This is incredible. David was literally stunned by the fact that God cared for him. You ever been stunned by the fact that God cares for you? You ever let that really grip you, that he cares for you? When was the last time that thought captured your imagination and heart? And if it's been a while, it's okay. I would just like to suggest to you Christmas is a great season to let that happen again, to let him capture your heart with the fact that he cares for you. God knows you. And here's the point. He not only knows you, He cares for you. He cares for you. He cares for me. He cares for other people. Christmas was designed by God to flush that back up to the surface. Can I say it again? God cares for you. Why well, keep repeating that? Because I, I don't have enough room and I didn't do the message so i got to fill it in, right? No, why? Because we are so deadened to that and every message we hear on TV or every message we hear on media or every message you get on your phone is you're not good enough, you don't smell good enough, you don't look good enough, you don't have good enough, you don't, and you're not okay and nobody cares for you. And, and we've lost the capacity to think about the fact that God cares for us. So I'm just going to keep repeating that, hoping that somewhere the Holy Spirit will catch it on one of those and you'll go, wait a minute, He really does care for me. God's care of him for David, echoed it all, all through the Psalms. I've been reading through the Psalms again, right? Because I, I finished the Bible and uh, reading through for this year. And so I just jump, you read five Psalms a day, right? So if it's first day, you read Psalm 1, Psalm 31, Psalm 61, Psalm 91, Psalm 21, 121. Then next day, Psalm 2, Psalm 32, Psalm... Right, so I've been going through them all and, and just caught up with this again, how David echoed this and, and it's a repeated theme all through the Bible, Look at Psalm 25. We'll just pull one for uh, a comparison. It says, Good and upright is the Lord, and therefore He instructs sinners in the way, and He leads the humble in what is right, and He teaches the humble His way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep His covenant and His testimonies. And it just talks about the incredible uh, care God has for For people, God cares about people and he wants to lead lead them. You know, if you think about it, the universe is kind of a frightening place. But it's made beautiful and it's blessed by God's steadfast love. The universe is cold and harsh, if not for God's gentleness and kindness. The universe is aimless, but is made purposeful by God's faithfulness. All of His paths, the psalm says here, are steadfast love and faithfulness. And what does that mean? It means He cares for us. He cares for us. Right now, today, He wanted you to hear that He cares for you. What is David trying to highlight in these dozens and dozens of passages like this? He's trying to point out that God cares. Why? Because the picture of gods, if you look at the Greek gods, if you look at picture, they're very arbitrary, very dangerous, very hostile, and, and that's not the picture you get. And so David's trying to overcome even the things in his culture to say, hey, God cares. He cares about you. He cares at the huge level, on the macro level, the universe level. He put it together in such a way it could sustain life. And he cares on the micro level. But here's the other part. He cares about us in the middle too, right? You got the universe, you got the microscopic cells and stuff, but he cares about the middle. Who's in the middle? Us. We're the stuff made up of cells. It says God designed us. He cares about the design of who we are and our bodies. Last we talked about the incredible fact that God came. Why did he come? Because he cares for us. He cares for you and me, everybody else. We might hit limits with other people. You might hit those limits this week, standing in line. I've had it. Get me out of here. Right? Or somebody may be obnoxious and you're like, ah, oh, some Christmas spirit. You right? You're gonna hit limits with people. But God never does. Why? Because He cares. Listen to the spirit of this of this next passage here. Look at Psalm 103. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger. I've always liked that, and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide. That means he won't always be on your case. He'll not always chirp at you, right? He's not going to always chide. Nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins. Amen. Anybody? Or repay us according to our iniquities? Hallelujah. He does not deal with us according to our sins. Another place in the Psalms, it says, if you, O God, were to mark iniquity, who could stand in front of you? In other words, if God were going to really tally it up and you were measured in terms of your sin, who could stand? And the answer is nobody. But this here tells us He doesn't deal with us according to our sins or repay us according to our iniquities. That is the great good news of the gospel. That because Jesus came, our sins can be forgiven, you can be saved, and you don't have to be measured because of the wrong things you've done. It says He's merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. There's a reason we sing, Oh, come, let us adore Him. Right? Because... We get in the picture of that baby, the goodness of God, and that God came because he's good, and God came because he cares. His care for us is amazing and unimaginable. That's also why we sing he's a good good father. Right? Because he is. It's his goodness, his kindness that leads us to repentance. Again, that is what we're looking at when it comes to Christmas. He came because he cares. He might be saying this morning, well, glad he cares, but what's his capacity? Okay, there's quite a few people in the room right here. And, you know, we've all got certain limits and uh, he might have more care for Bob than he does for Abby. Or he might have more care for David than he does for Betty. Uh, right, he might have, uh, how big is his care tank? Right? Let's look at Psalm 103. It says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love towards those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear Him. Again, referring to Lennox's book, God's undertaker, we know a lot more about the distances of our universe than David did when he wrote this. All right? When David wrote, as high as the heavens are above the earth, he had just that frame of reference. They didn't have satellites, they didn't have telescopes, they just had starlit nights that he intuited that from. Well, we now actually know the distances. And the distances are Staggering. And if that's really true, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love, it means He's got a pretty big tank. That's what it's trying to illustrate. In other words, we are impressed with the universe. But the Bible says that God is greater than the universe. God, is, God created the universe. He's not of the universe. He's above the universe. And therefore, we don't really know who we're dealing with. Because we limit him to our level. And we say, oh, well, he probably loves like Kevin loves, or he probably loves like Steve loves, or he probably loves like Lois loves, or, you know, uh, probably loves like John and Jan love." right? I mean, and we pick out human illustrations, and the Bible says, no, 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 it's so far past that. It's so far beyond that, that we really don't get a picture. Uh, How high are the heavens above the earth? Well, we could almost say like Buzz Lightyear, infinite, right? Come on, Buzz Lightyear, Toy Story. Okay. I was so proud of that line. We got nothing. All right. His care tank is massive and broad and wide and deep. Just like the heavens are so great is his care that he uses another infinite picture of how he deals with our sin is care for us in dealing with sins when he says he will cast our sins from us. It says that he removes it as far as the east is from the west. And so if you're here and we would have to turn like this, right? And that would be the west and that would be the east. And you fling something like that and one goes that way and one goes the other way. God says, you go that way to the west, your sin goes to the east. Will they ever touch? Will they ever connect? Will they ever be seen again? You'll never see it again. That's mind-boggling. Think about that. Mind-boggling. He cares about our wellness, our wholeness, our lives, our future, our concerns, our family, us. That's why Jesus as a baby is so captivating. God demonstrated His caring by coming. His arrival sent a picture that he's not way out there, a distant, disconnected, deistic God out there who somehow wound up the universe and then just let it go and let's let just see what happens. The picture is intimate. It's personal. It's, it's painted in the, the warmest, kindest tones that you can capture as a human uh, in terms of uh, using this as a baby. Lamentations says this. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Now, so recognize, when were those verses written? At the destruction of Jerusalem. Jeremiah is watching Jerusalem being destroyed down to the rubble. There's nothing left. And he writes, The steadfast love, love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never cease come to an end. Even in the midst of absolute catastrophe. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The following verses reinforce the thought. They say this, the Lord is my portion, says my soul, and therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. In other words, his care never runs out never goes empty it never it never ceases it's always with us even when bad things happen here's the point he doesn't need to take a break cuz he's exhausted any of you get tired any of you standing in line shopping do the wow you know just you're at work and you're like Right, eat lunch, go into a food coma, bounce your head off the desk. Oh my gosh, I'm exhausted. Right, you just I, I can't work, I can't shop, I can't function. I'm I'm tired. Okay, God doesn't get exhausted. He's he's caring what this is saying. He's caring every morning. Right? He doesn't care less today because. He cared more 2,000 years ago or cared more 4,000 years ago. Oh, he really loved David. He really loved Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But he's kind of tired now. He's a little bit exhausted, so it's not as good as it used to be. No, the Bible says his caring every morning, he ca- he's caring every day. Great is his faithfulness. In other words, his care tank is enormous. It's huge. Let's take another swipe at God caring about people and look at it from the categories uh, from a category standpoint. who does He care for? There's a couple specific ones. God cares when we talk about God cares about people, think in terms of categories. What are some categories of people that He cares for? I'm just going to pull three this morning. First of all, He cares about Israel. Now, there's, there's, a, there's a dialect in the church. It's called replacement theology. And basically what it means is God used Israel for a period of time. Then Israel really blew it. Then Jesus came and Jesus started the church. And now God's going to use the church and God's done with Israel. Okay? If that's true, three quarters of the prophecies in the Bible don't mean anything. Because most of them have to do with God uh, dealing with Israel as a nation. They are His chosen people. Okay? And, and He cares for them greatly. Even if they don't get it right now, and even if they don't care at this point, God cares for them. You ever been where you care greatly for someone and they couldn't care less? Right? You ever felt that? Okay, that's how God feels towards Israel. You just identified with how God feels towards Israel. The other group he cares about greatly, the church. God cares about his bride. He's the ultimate husband. Many want to bury the church today, right? You don't have to read too far, listen too far. It's crooked. It's worn out. It's obsolete. It's ugly. It's sinful. Out of touch. Out of gas. Irreverent. uh, Not up to date. uh, Yes. But it's not done. It's not done. God's not done with His church. By the way, I was just talking this morning with John Templin and uh, as we come into Uh, 2019. I don't know if you realize it, but that's a a very important, significant historical year for us because that marks the 20th year anniversary of this church. Do you know that? It was on February, right in February, where they started doing their own services back in 1999. And then in August, they had open uh, trial services to see if they could pull it off. And then September 26th of 1999 was the very first service Of Northview over in Jackson High School. So this year we will be going through a 20 year anniversary and we'll be celebrating that together. God cares about his church. Church is not going to die. Why? Because God's not going to die. He may purify it, he may uh, discipline it, he may rebuke it, he may do all kinds of things, but he's not going to kill it. That's his bride. He loves his bride. God cares about his bride. And that's why we are always, always, always encouraged to look to Him. Why? Because we're His bride. It says, just like a bride looks to her husband, so the church should look to Jesus. We're We're to keep our eyes on Him. We're to keep in step with Him. We're to walk with Him. We're to fellowship with Him. We're to abide in Him. Why? Because He knows how to take care of us. You're worried about this coming year. You don't know how you're going to make it. You're up against a wall. It may be your job, and you don't know how you're going to last another month in it, let alone another five years till retirement. If it's your family, you don't know how you're going to last in this marriage. You don't know how you're going to last. I mean, just let's lay them all out, right? You don't know how you're going to survive teenagers. You don't know. I mean, and you're just like, how are we going to make this? You will make it because God cares for you. Look to Him. Lean in. Do not kick out. Lean towards Him, not away from Him. Let Him care for you. Fellowship with Him. Abide in Him. Why? Because He knows how to take care of us. Peter, who, uh, the Apostle Peter, who knew a thing or two about being independent, right, and uh, could often get caught up in worry and fear, and he had some pretty powerful circumstances of it, uh, writes this to us, at the end of his life, he says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and He will lift you up in due time. I know that's the NIV version, not the ESV version, but I memorized it that way. And I like the due time because due time's not your time. Right? It's His time. Cast, and here's the great phrase, cast what? All your anxiety on Him. Why? Because He cares for you. Have we gotten so sophisticated and so beyond that we think that He can't handle our anxiety? How much anxiety do you think would be resolved if we just simply looked to Him and had quiet times? Every morning. And just looked to Him and gave stuff to Him and released stuff to Him. Do we get anxious about stuff? Do we, yeah, let it go. No, not frozen, just let it go. Okay. Let it go. Give it to him. He you make a great you you make a lousy Jesus, okay? There's something else that he cares about. Some another group of people he cares about incredibly, and that's this group right here, the lost. God cares greatly for the lost. We know this for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He came when at Christmas. That son who would die at Easter came at Christmas, okay? and he entered into our fray he entered into our mess he gave us one and only son whoever we believe in him should not perish but what have or inherit eternal life god cares about the lost how do i know that cuz most of us were that okay? we were that category we're not anymore we're saved we found him or more theologically correct he found us right and boy are you grateful Yes, I am, right? For God so loved the world. Why should we care about the lost? Well, we, we should care about the lost because God cares about the lost. Makes sense, right? He has a tremendous compassion and heart for them. He Use this logic. He cared for you when you were lost, didn't he? He cared for me when I was lost. And he cares for those who are lost now. He says, good, you crossed the line. You're in my kingdom. You're mine now. You're my son. You're my daughter. Awesome. Would you help me cooperate? Let's go find some more. Where are they? And somehow, somehow, we have got to pray that God would give us a way to get the message out to Mill Creek that God cares for them. They don't know that. They think He's against them. They think... That he's gonna try and, and crush their life or take their life away from them or take all their fun away. And they've got all kinds of wrong pictures of them. They think we're the stupidest people on earth for wasting our Sundays like this when you could be sleeping in. Right? They they don't know. They don't know because they haven't met him. And it all changes when you meet him. Right? You can talk about him, but it's different when you've met him. And once you've met him, You can't go back the other way. And Mill Creek is a group of people that God really cares about. Jesus came for us, right? That's why we celebrate Christmas. That's why we can sing with gusto. That's why all of a sudden you notice when we're singing, like all of a sudden, and it goes, there's reverence, there's honor, there's holiness. And why? Because we're grateful. Okay? But he also died for them out there. And we've got to ask him to give us a way. We've got to find a way. God, give us the grace and wisdom to know how to do this in the context that you planted us in. May we be ambassadors. Here's another way to look at it. Uh, you don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to freak out and have ten steps to the gospel or three steps to the gospel. Or, okay, so think of it this way. Being an ambassador of God's care for other people. God, you cared for me. How could I care for other people that they might get it? Who could you care for this year that otherwise wouldn't get it? Who could God point out to you to send some care to? Did you know that this issue of God's care that we're talking about here, his comfort is actually one of his names that he's called the God of all comfort. Uh, We often use this at funerals, but this is not designed for a funeral. In 2 Corinthians 1-3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies. Or we, a better word for us would be the Father of kindness. right? The Father of mercies and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our affliction. That's a uh, pronoun and that's not uh, a, a description or a verb. Uh, it, it's actually a name. The God of all comfort. And and if you look at the second one, I, I put it in, that's in ESV. Uh, NIV says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion. That's a good word for mercies. And the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles. And it goes on to say that you can give comfort to somebody else. Why? Because you've been comforted by God. You know what it was like to experience His comfort. You know what it was like for him to come into your life so you can hand that off to somebody else and treat them like Jesus treated you. And so really it's not that hard. I'm thinking, all i got to think about is how has God been kind to me? Huh, let me do that for somebody else and do it in Jesus' name. And maybe they will get it as well. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our trouble. We live in a hard world. Okay, The question is, where can you go to get comfort? Uh, some would say, well, alcohol. right? Or in our culture now, marijuana. right? Comfort is found in marijuana. Comfort is found uh, getting out of here, getting away, going on vacation. Comfort is found in... Uh, uh, shows or movies or entertainment. Comfort is found. There's a lot of anesthetizing. There's a lot of self-medicating going on in our culture. We're prone to it. Even as believers, we're prone to it. But here it says, turn to Him. Turn to Him because He will bring the comfort that you're looking for. So as we come... Slow down this week. I know, I know, I know the time, But listen to me. Slow down this week. Take some time this week. Think. Ponder. Think about His care for you. And give some thanksgiving back. What does this picture mean here? It means God still cares. He hasn't... Quit caring. That if there's anything that I want to pound home, he has not quit caring for us. He doesn't care any less today than he cared back here on this replica of a picture. He also never runs out of care. Therefore we should take great care to run to him. Let's know who's the source of all this stuff, right? Nothing wrong with the gifts, but it's really wrong when you trade the gifts for the giver. And expect the gifts to do for you what the giver is supposed to do for you. Let's remember what gifts are and let's remember who the giver is and let's remember to be grateful for the giver who gives the gifts, not grateful for the gifts in and of themselves and forget the giver. That's really, if you think about it, what Christmas does. Christmas is a siren call to our culture. Remember me? Remember me? Do you remember me? I'm the source of your gifts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If there's a gap, a gap between you and God, Christmas is a great time to close it. It's a great time to soften your heart up. It's a great time to let that wall down. It's a, if you're doing this thing, drop the wall. It's a great time to go like this. Ah, I like you. Oh. Yes. Let's go back, right? We always say go back to first base, go back to base. go back to first base. So, the most beginning picture God gave us of him a baby. Remember me? Draw close and worship again. Give him your life because he gave you his. Trust him because he cares for you. And this, with the greatest possible sense, is why we say Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Christmas, Merry Christmas. What are we saying? Christ has come. He's let us know He cares for us. So let Him care for us. Let Him be Lord and Savior. Let Him be the Christ. Let Him be the God of all comfort. Let's remind ourselves of that and let's actually then do that. Merry Christmas, my friends. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this message. I, I hope it caught a nerve. I hope... It got pictures. I hope it left something tangible. The biggest piece I hope it left is that You care for us. Lord, we live in a brutal world, especially when it comes to um, debate in our culture. The vitriol is is vicious. There's very little middle ground anymore. Uh, Graciousness is going out the window by the truckload. And Lord, we we are forgetting things. And one of the things that our culture in particular is forgetting about is that you care for them. The picture is painted that you don't care, that you're as selfish and as greedy and arbitrary as we are. And the picture is painted to be avoided at all costs. And I wanted to counter that picture, Lord. That's not the picture we get in Scripture of you. That's not the picture I've had of you. You have been phenomenally, phenomenally gracious to me, to my family, to my children. You've been phenomenally gracious to us as a church. And Lord, I just wanted us to remember that, that you care for us. And I pray that anchors well for this Christmas holiday, Lord, that people will soften, approach you, and know that you have the heart of a child. That's why you say to us, come to me as children. Because you care for us. Lord, we pray for that picture not get wiped out. We ask for that in your name. Amen.